Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, we are going verse by verse through the letter that was written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, a former fisherman turned Christ follower who had left everything behind, even at the risk of his own life, to spread the good news that the long-awaited Messiah had arrived, that he had shed his blood to atone for man's sin, and had risen three days later, just as he said he would. This John had seen. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. He had heard the message of salvation. He had heard the cry of his fellow Jews, crucify him, crucify him. Then he watched him die on the cross, a brutal Roman crucifixion just standing feet away, perhaps the only disciple that remained with Jesus throughout all of this. But afterwards, he had met and confirmed with his own eyes that Jesus was resurrected back to life. After the resurrection, John and his, his crew had spent 40 days with Jesus, and they were eyewitnesses to his ascension back into heaven and taken into his Father's presence again where he remains at the, seated at the right hand of God until given instructions. One day he will hear his father say, go get my children. As we just sang, we long for that day, but we have a job to do while we're waiting for him to come back. So for John and the rest of the followers of Jesus, salvation from sin and death was everything to them. They needed to get the word out. They were compelled in their spirits. And being led along by the Holy Spirit, And recalling many of the conversations the Lord had with John and others, he records the foundation and the essentials for experiencing this new life found in the Savior. Jesus was their rabbi, which means teacher, and he used everyday life as his classroom while teaching his young followers over the three years of his ministry to them and to many others. Last week, we saw Jesus as the teacher uh, to the teacher of Israel, holding class with Nicodemus, the inquisitive Pharisee. We got to see him use four metaphors to salvation and what, what took place upon salvation. If you were here, you heard us go through these one by one. I'll just briefly take us through again. Jesus talked about the rebirth being born again from above. We heard him talk about the wind, experiencing the Spirit moving in a person, a believer's life. When you come to Christ and you surrender your life to Him, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. He teaches you. He leads you. He guides you in all things. He comforts us. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and He's like the wind. You don't see Him coming and you don't see him going he's just there and then jesus talked about snakes 
The example of the serpent of the pole on the pole being lifted up in the desert when Moses did that, even so Jesus said, I must be lifted up. And he was talking about a cross. Then we saw illumination, the world's response to the light they've been given, and the light of Christ versus the true believer's response to the light. Out of guilt and shame, the world avoids Christ's light at all costs. They don't want their deeds to be seen in the light. While the Christ follower comes to the light, is compelled and is drawn to the light, that their good works might be revealed without fear. One of the confirmations that we're saved is that our desire to be with Jesus, whether it be alone at home in quiet time and the Word and prayer, or together as a church as we're doing right now, where we're corporately lifting up the name of Christ, giving glory to God. And we wait for His long-awaited return And that increases as we grow in our knowledge of Him and in our intimacy of Him. As the years go by, a Christ follower ought to be able to pause and look behind them and say, wow, God, you brought me so far. Still have a ways to go all the way to heaven, but I'm not where I was either. Today we'll see Jesus continuing on in three roles. Number one, last week we saw Jesus as the teacher. And this week, we're going to see Jesus. Number two, we see Jesus as the groom. We see him as the groom. We're not done with the wedding metaphor. John's going to hit the uh, the metaphor this week. Look down at verse 22 in your Bibles. After this, after the wedding at Cana, after he performed many miracles in Jerusalem that we've read about these last weeks, After meeting with Nicodemus at night, after this, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anan, uh, this word means fountain, near Salim, that's a Hebrew word for peace, because there was so much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. He will be shortly here. Verse 25, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and Jews about purification. Now, this is in reference, the purification is to the uh, reference of the practice of purifying Gentile converts into Judaism and preparing them. You couldn't just say, well, I'm going to be a Jew now today. I'm a Gentile, but I'm going to be a Jew today. Can I come to you know, your, your service, your teaching? No, you weren't allowed. You couldn't come in, in into the, uh, the temple until you had gone through a purification process. And there was an argument between um, John's disciples and, and some Jews that were there about the process for that. Verse 26, and they came to John and said to him, now these are John the Baptist students. John the Baptist was also a rabbi. So they said to their rabbi, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, speaking of Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, I'm going to try to say this in the right wording, he is baptizing all that are coming to him. I don't think they said this with a smile on their face. 
Deb and I work hard at keeping our open dialogue in our home, and, and nowhere there is that more evidence than at the, the dinner, ta- uh, dinner time. The dinner table is the place where we learn about each other and about each other's day. Uh, we learn about ourselves sometimes. Uh, we learn to converse. We talk about things, and uh, Debbie, I, I give her credit for this, started this with her kids a long, 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 long time ago. Um, the high-low. Yeah, anybody play high-low in here at the dinner table with your kids? Yeah, I recommend it if you don't. High-low is this. Everybody at the table has to play. And you go around, and you have to name the high of your day. What was your high today? I, I, Grandpa, I scored a touchdown today. Awesome. That's great. Way to go. What was your low today? Well, you know, I fell and skinned my knee. Whatever the low is, you have to say your high and low. You have to go, uh, uh, Grammy, and, and we, we all play. Um, it might be, let's see, recently I asked them, if, if money was no object, where would you go on vacation? I, I just want to know them better, right? You just want to hear. And we had some interesting dialogue over that. And then um, I asked them who their favorite, apart, apart from Jesus, who was their favorite Bible character um, in the Word? And they had to say why and uh, who and, and then why, and we discussed that. Interesting enough that Jesus answered that question. And, uh, and he taught a large crowd of people and his disciples. And as he was teaching them, he names who the, the most famous one is. I was kind of taken back by who he said was the greatest. You see, he didn't choose Abraham, Mm-mm. the father of the faith, really? Hmm. Didn't choose Moses. Wow. <laughs> Led a million people out of captivity. Got them all the way to the promised land. Yet not Moses either. Oh, then it's got to be Joshua. Joshua, the warrior. Oh, you know. No? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't him either. Hmm. Daniel. Daniel. Man, he stood up. Those three, his three buddies in the fire. They got to be it. No, uh-uh, not them either. Okay, wait a minute, I forgot. Of course, it's David, the man after God's own heart. It had to be David, right? No, it's not David. He doesn't name David. In fact, he doesn't name anyone in the Old Testament as being the greatest. The greatest human being, apart from Christ, to ever live was John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus says this. Matthew eleven eleven. Assuredly, I say to you, in front of all these people who's teaching, assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Wow. How would you like that said about you? Whew. Man. You see, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at, at the attractive person and says, they're the greatest. They're the superstars. They're our heroes. He doesn't, he doesn't look at, at those who are highly intelligent or score highest on tests. He doesn't do that. He looks at the heart. He looks past all of that, and he sees the heart. And he did that for John, and, and, and he had to. Think about it for a minute. John's eating bugs and wearing you know, animal skins out in the middle of the desert. He's not your natural choice. Not by human standards anyway. But Jesus looked past all of that. I think he smiled and said, I know who the greatest is. John the Baptist. He looked upon the heart. And he saw, 
John the Baptist, and he saw a man that was all about serving. He was all in. He didn't serve occasionally. He didn't serve when he felt like it. He didn't do eight hours a day. This guy's 24-7, 365. This guy's serious about serving other people. You see, the Baptist was the forerunner whose mission it was to prepare the people's heart to receive their Messiah. Jesus was about to start his mission. Now, by the way, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins by blood. So they had had grown up in different areas of the country, but yet they both had a mission to carry out. And John the Baptist was very serious about this. He was to prepare Israel for the coming Messiah. Prepare the way. Messiah's coming. Get right with the Lord. Get rid of those idols. Get your head screwed on straight. And get your heart pursuing the things that God has told us to pursue. He's warning him. He did so with a, a zeal that was rarely seen in his day, or our day for that matter. But then he did something almost unheard of. After completing his mission, he stepped aside and got out of the way. He didn't relish fame. He wasn't interested in fortune. And he wasn't trying to make it into the hall of fame. No, his goal was to prepare the way of the master and bring glory to Jesus. The baptizer gave his life warning others to get ready for their Savior. And Jesus saw John's heart and he gave him this great honor. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Listen, how we view our reason for our existence is critical to how we complete the mission God's given to each one of us. The person who sees the reason for their life as sex money, greed, power, all of these things, will live a life completely missing the most important point known to mankind, living a life of significance and purpose. Our life goal must always be focused upon that which propels us towards our God-given purpose. Every decision we make should be filtered. Is this going to help me move forward? Or is this going to drag me off to the side or backwards? Don't get caught up in all this meaningless minutiae the devil throws at us. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, he can't change your address. Your eternal address is is written in stone. But here's what he can do. He can take away your influence. He can get you pulled off to the left or the right. That's all he wants to do is to shut your mouth and have you go do something else that you're not going to help the kingdom. Listen, here's our purpose. To know God and to make him known. I have that written down in my Bible. To know God and to make him known. Boil it all down. That's what it is. First, I need to know God for myself. I need to, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is here. He Turn around. Repent means to turn around. Stop going after the world. Stop going after all that stuff. Turn around. Fix your eyes on Christ. Lift them up. Surrender to Him. Make Him your Lord and Savior. And begin to walk with Him. 
That's to know Jesus. And then after you do that, what's our job? Go make disciples. Know Jesus and make him known. Tell others about him that don't know him. Debbie and I talk about this a lot. Whenever we go to eat, we always ask the waiter or the waitress. Well, most of the time. If, I, if I'm sensing that I'm not supposed to, I don't. There, and that, there are times when it's just like God wants to shut my mouth, so I do. The times I don't, it doesn't go well. I'm learning. But when the opportunity is given, we, we talk to him. And last night, I, I have to be careful and guarded to guard her. A uh, waitress um, came up at our meal to take her order, and, and, and um, she said, um, you're from that church over there. So, yeah. And she goes, the new one. I said, exactly. Yeah. The new one's called Restored. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. You're the pastor. Yes. I, um, I am. How, how did you know? One time you came in here and asked to pray for me. It was a long time ago. And I haven't been where I should be. But I'm headed there now. I say, good, welcome back. You know, and, and Debbie said, you, you, know, you need to come to church. You need to be around other like-minded people. Are you a, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a Christian. I'm, I just got to get back into the worship, though, and, and, and be with people like me. Yeah, exactly. And she's coming back. You see, you never know who you're going to share with that it's going to make a huge impact on their life later on. You know, so many times we pray for someone or share Christ with them, and they, uh, not right now, and they walk away. But it's always fun and always encouraging to hear someone come back and say, hey, you know what? You don't know who I am. A long time ago, this is what you did, and it's helped change my life. Know Jesus and make him known. Listen, we're given one life to live. Don't live a mediocre one. Don't live a life that, well, it's good enough. It's good enough. My quiet time, it's good enough. I don't really have time for that, but, you know. My life's good enough. You get one shot at this. And there is no dress rehearsal for it. This is it. I often say that I want to swing for the fence. I want to swing for the fence every single time. I don't. I try to, and I fail at times. But I, man, when someone pitches me a ball right down the center, I want to smash that thing. Because I want to go down swinging rather than being called out on strikes. You can't hit a home run if you don't swing the bat. Good enough isn't the way to spend the only life you've been given. Someone said the greatest mistake a person can make is spending his life climbing the ladder of success only to discover when they reach the top, it's leaning against the wrong wall. Wow. It's not how I want to come to the end. My ladder was on the wrong wall this whole time. Listen, the baptizer's ladder was firmly leaning on Christ. He was given a great honor. His job, his mission, was always in a supporting role, and he won the award for best supporting actor of all time. Setting his pride aside is what made him great in God's eyes. Most every man of God has had to grapple with the sinful bent of pride 
And John the baptizer was no different. In fact, Moses wrestled with being compared to someone else, as did John. Jesus dealt with pride issues from people around him. Wanting to hear the two brothers, John, the, the writer here, and his brother. Hey, can we, uh, can we get some uh, you know, seats right next to you on either side of you in heaven? And Jesus looks, and that's not for me to say. Come on, guys. You're, you're focused on the wrong thing here. You're missing the point. He wrestled with it, and, and Paul did, to name a few. Here's a simple formula for dealing with pride and misplaced competitiveness. Competitiveness isn't necessarily bad. It's a good thing very often. But if it gets into the area where there's pride, look out. John's disciples were beginning to fall into these issues when they saw that so many people were going to Jesus to get baptized. Instead of John's group, and here's how the baptizer responded to their concerns. By the way, let me tell you this. If I'm baptizing and Jesus shows up and decides to start baptizing, don't come to me to get baptized. I won't be here. I'll be in that line. <laughs> But anyway, they're struggling with it, and here's how John deals with it. John answered them, and he said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I have, not been, sent, I have been sent before him. I'm not the Christ. I was just sent to prepare the way for him. Unwittingly, John's men were pushing him into direct competition with the Lord himself. And John goes, whoa, whoa, whoa time out here. Sit down. We, i gotta, I got to explain something to you. And they're saying, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and we're up there and all are coming to him. But John uses great wisdom learned and earned in the years prior to this moment, and he shares it with all his disciples as every great discipler does. you got a truth. you got to share it with your student. We have a pretty dynamic discipleship program here. To get involved in it, you have to first be discipled. we got to be on the same page, right? And then you go out and you disciple someone else, and you share all the truth that you know, that you've been given. Jesus taught truth to his disciples, and we have picked out 13 of them. 13 foundational truths that every Christian needs to, to know. They're going to walk with the Lord. And we teach one a week. You might do it at a coffee shop. You might do it at your home. You might, you know, wherever. But you sit down for about an hour and you sit with this person and you talk about these truths that you've already been trained in. Chapter by chapter, they've done their work. They come, you give them truth. So that's what John's doing here. John informs them, all good things come from heaven. So he is not the source of the blessing, but rather he's the receiver and the sharer, the distributor of truth and wisdom. All his ministry and blessings came from God and back to God they must go. That's the way he felt. There can be no competition between God and his children because everything we receive is from him. Our job, our wealth, our relationships, our knowledge, our wisdom, everything good comes down from the Father of lights. 
It's not ours. We just redistribute them to others and use them to glorify Him. All we can do is to offer them back to Him as a blessing, an act of worship to the Lord, and an act of love to those around us who need it. Our gifts, our talents, and the time and opportunities we're afforded to use them come from God alone, so there is no room for pride. John says that right away. Let's get this clear. I am not Jesus. I never claimed to be, and I've told you that, and I've told you what my mission is. Jesus said, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? Become the servant to everyone. Pretty simple. John understood that very clearly. God provides the blessing we have so we can offer them back in acts of worship and thanksgiving to him. After sharing this truth, John the Baptist uses a wonderful metaphor here. After he proclaims this, he's going to tell them a little story that they'll never forget. Verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. So what is this metaphor? Well, they understood it better in, in the Jewish culture. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.